Hello and welcome to the sound of the start of your weekend, which is the NTT20 betting show sponsored by Betfair. Whoa, that was fast. Good to have you with us. Hope all well. If anyone's hungover listening to that, they're going to turn it off immediately, as they would if they could see your shacket that you're wearing right now. If anyone's hungover listening to this, get your act together. Mate. <laughs> Like Piers Morgan. Just drink Man up. two pints of water before you go to bed. Maybe one of them with a hydration tablet in it. Unbelievable. Then wake up, have another one and an aspirin. The fact that you think you've cured hangovers with your own little method of doing it is incredible. There's no excuse to be hungover in 2023. There's absolutely Nonsense. no excuse. This is a podcast about betting. George Ellick and Ali Maxwell making EFL betting picks ahead of the weekend docket. Uh, it is very strictly for over 18s only. Uh, and we ask that everyone listening be gamble aware, understand the risks that come with gambling. Never bet more than you can afford to lose and never chase your losses either. George, we're in a good mood today. Uh, we're not as pressed for time as we were last week. That means time for a wholesome listener question. And I'd like to know from you and from the listener, oh, no. what's your go-to cooking dish? If you had me and Mrs. Maxwell round for dinner... And let's say six listeners, so you're cooking for eight, plus you and Mrs. Ellick. If you had to whip something up, doesn't need to be gourmet, completely up to you. What would you choose to please them? Any dietaries? No dietary requirements. But it would help if it was a dish that catered for, for one or two dietaries. If I had time on my side, I'd be cooking a ragu or a spaghetti bolognese, just depending um, if you're talking to me pre-age 25 or post. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, is there any difference between those? Two no. Things? Well, I mean, spaghetti bolognese doesn't actually exist. It's like it's like an, an English creation um, of a ragu, which is a, a, a dish from Bologna. And like anyone listening to this who um, likes to cook a, a bolognese, I'm obviously convinced that mine is the best. I've been through very many different variations in terms of of what what I do and how I do it. I think you want at least eight hours um, from time you start chopping to time you're eating. Um, in mine, it's carrot, celery, onion, chopped up, fried off in some butter and oil. I want you to add after that um, a bit, bit of whole milk, mate, a bit of blue milk. What? Yeah. Blue? Oh, as in the cap is blue. Probably you fry off the beef and pork mince if you've got time to do that. Then you put in the milk. So you boil, you boil the milk all the way down what? in the mince, soften the meat. And then, I mean, red wine is fine, but if you've got like a dry white, dry white wine in next. What? And then, how did you learn all this? Because you just, I've made, I've made so many milky like, meat and white yeah, wine in your ragged. Yeah, like I, I used to be, you know, you do tomatoes first, then 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 the wine and after. Got to cook that wine off early, and then you add the tomatoes, and then very slow, like unbelievably slow. Uh, you're not even like barely a simmer for four or five hours, and then probably, probably best it ate the next day if you can really. It's a bit of a cheat that. But if you eat it when you made it and then put some, um, I think me and Mrs. Ellick would enjoy it more the next day after you guys have all gone when we have it for dinner for a second night. Wow, that's a bit of fun. That's yeah. a bit of fun. I've never wanted anything more than one of our listeners to make this this weekend. Some people add bacon when, when you fry off the, uh, like tiny bits of bacon when you fry off the mince for a bit of that bit of saltiness. Some people add like Worcester sauce and Marmite and stuff in. I don't like that. Just you've got to keep it very traditional, bolognese, proper ragu. Do they cook it in milk in, in the traditional sense yes. in Bologna? Yeah. I'd, there you I'd, go. And I'd also say there are very good variations where you don't add any tomato. Somewhere you can have beef stock instead of tomato, so it's more like a, a brothy mm. ragu. I'd like that. Um, but yeah, the go-to, I mean, I reckon there's probably six or seven I've got in my repertoire. But the, the Six or seven different ragus. Rag yeah. and bone mm. 
And do you cook it with, <laughs> do you eat it with spaghetti or tagliatelle? Because if you go to Bologna, they will serve you tagliatelle. Definitely fresh tagliatelle, yeah. Tagliatelle al ragu. Amazing. Well, please, 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 someone cook that this weekend. Please do that for us. And as an aside, uh, if you're looking for a weekend holiday destination all year round, go to Bologna. What a great city. Mm, brilliant city. Is. There you go. And there's a very good um, place. It's about a 20 minute train outside of Bologna in a town called San Giovanni in Perisicetto. Sure. And it's called Osteria del Marisol. And they have an unbelievably good ragu where it comes with a little quail's egg on top quail's egg yolk and then because it's because of the creaminess you mix it all in phenomenal also very cool stadium in bologna the stadio renato dallara at which i saw spain under 21s beat poland under 21s something like 6-0 in the 2019 under 21 euros god i'm excited for georgia this summer 2023 under 21 euros come on lee carsley's unders army um mine is it's still kind of to TBC. I'm so in awe of you having not only a go-to that's so <laughs> entrenched in your head, but also I've got six or seven different types, if you like. Don't like, do the voice. Don't make this something ugly now. Like, this is your this is your idea that we do this nonsense. It's me lashing out because, as I said, I'm, I'm in awe of you and that, that can bleed into jealousy territory and it has done. What I love about this is we decided to do a quick betting show so that we could have a pint or two before we went back home and uh, instead of we've done the, the longest preamble of all time. All this to delay telling you about last week, which was bad. George got his nap up, Peterborough beating Pompey at even money and um, lost all of his other picks, whereas I lost all of my picks apart from my lay, which was Swindon against Gillingham. Uh, that was my only winner we got to talk about the fact that I picked Carlisle minus one and they won one nil. Should have done to nil. Thank you. Uh, I've done some dumb stuff on this show, but consistently the dumbest is is about twice a season. I'll pick my nap minus one um, for reasons that I forget almost instantly. And then the team wins by one goal. It, and it doesn't just make me sad. It makes me physically quite angry. I was sitting, well, I was just leaving Plough Lane last Saturday feeling physically angry. At myself. So let's try and avoid that this week. George, what's your nap? My nap is Hull. Hull to beat Cardiff at 11 to 10. Hull still look to me to be incredibly underrated, but in the market, I still maintain that they are a really good side under a senior. Last seen playing at home, beating a much superior side to Cardiff 3 0 in QPR. Um, their form generally at the moment is in the championship, just very good. Just that 1 0 defeat against Sheffield United. The only blot, um, yes, they feel like they should have beaten Huddersfield um, in the game before that, but they played okay. And then the two away wins against Wigan and Birmingham before that. Um, so they've scored seven goals in their last two wins. When things are going right for them, it does feel like it goes very right. I think Aaron Connolly's a, a really smart addition. Ebiove in as well. Uh, Stupinian playing well. They're just a side who, who seem pretty assured in terms of what they're doing right now under a new manager. And... Um, I'm just going to keep backing them basically until things catch up. I, th I think they're still nine to two to finish in the top half, um, which you've I, been hawking that for weeks. I just don't really understand what's going on there. Um, but yeah, that's I mean, exciting then, isn't it? Well, it's it's just it's just the wrong price, isn't it? Um, and then Cardiff, uh, Sabri Limucci is in. We've had one glimpse of his Cardiff side when they went to Luton. They were beaten late on uh, through an Elijah Adebayo goal. Elijah Adebayo had previously missed a penalty in the game. They were pretty poor. I like they in the first half. It was a, a pretty dire game with um, neither team creating too much. Looting the better side in the second half as you'd expect. Um, there wasn't 
at this stage anything to to suggest that Cardiff are, are going to have a, a massive new ban- new manager leap under Lamucci. Um, I think in time he will improve them, uh, but right now from where I'm looking, I can't really see why Hull shouldn't be fairly confident if they put in the, the kind of displays they've been putting in every week against um, under a senior uh, against Cardiff. They shouldn't come away with all three points. So yeah, Hull my my nap at eleven to ten. You are saying no new manager bounce for Lamucci, and I'm doing the same for Big Dunk Ferguson. My nap is Peterborough Interesting. to beat Forest Green and cover the minus one. No, just kidding. They were, they were nearly my lay. That was so, so worth is, it to see your fun. face. Yeah. Uh, my, my nap is Peterborough, though. Uh, they are 10 to 11 with the Betfair Sportsbook to win uh, away at Big Dunk's Forest Green Rovers um, because they've got their own new manager and they have started very impressively under Darren Ferguson. Firstly, with an excellent performance and 2-0 win at Port Vale, hashtag difficult place to go on a Monday night where they were comfortably the better side and exerted that dominance to the tune of two goals from the incredibly impressive and increasingly impressive Efron Mason Clark, who's made the step up from the National League to League One um, in classic Peterborough United style and looks very, very, very lively. Um, they then beat Portsmouth 2-1. They were your nap last weekend uh, and they won happily 2-0, 2-1 rather against Portsmouth. Um, very much the better side in that game, particularly at 0-0. A little bit of a scare at the end, but nothing too major. Uh, what I'm seeing is uh, something you referred to on the Monday pod, the fact that he's managed to get Ward in areas where Ward does what Ward does best, which is attacking down the right side and, and crossing from that side. Mason Clark playing off the left, doing all sorts. Johnson Clark Harris uh, up top scored two in the last game, and Poku playing a, a sort of very free role, fluid number ten role, drifting right as he likes to, and combining with Ward down that side. I like the way it looks on paper. I like the way it feels when I've watched the highlights of their last two games. I like what I'm seeing from Posh under Ferguson. As for for Big Duncan Forest Green, I'm only really saying no significant new manager bounce here because I don't think it's a very strong, settled team. They also had that huge blow last weekend of throwing away a one-goal lead to lose 2-1 to Shrewsbury, a result that makes the league table look very, very ugly indeed for Forest Green. The team looks so different to this time last year when they were top of League Two. It even looks quite different to six months ago. I think from their la- from their starting eleven last weekend, the on- only Ben Stevenson and Godwin Malif were-, were there last season. And I don't think... There's no point running through all the individual players, but I don't think as a collective, in a Forest Green shirt, the individual players that are playing for them right now have proven themselves to be good League One players, a good League One team at this point. Maybe... Man for man, they've made some good moves in the transfer market and and look to have made improvements, but I'm not blown away by the names necessarily. The big thing for me here is results versus top eight teams in League One this season, in which they've played nine, won one, lost eight, conceded 23 goals, which is around two and a half per game. Now, I don't know if Duncan Ferguson is... I'm halfway through my nap. I've only just realised both managers are called Ferguson. The Fergie game. I'm incredibly slow. Mm. And getting slower. Mate... Both called D Ferguson. What am I going to be like in a few years' time? I might not get through a whole show. Full of mac and cheese. Anyway, um, maybe Big Duncan Ferguson will get Forest Green's defence ship shape in a way they haven't been all season, but I don't know why we should just assume that that will happen. There's no evidence yet of his managerial career to suggest that he's going to be great, average or poor 
really good at setting up defensive teams, good at attacking teams or not. We just don't know at this stage. Now, I've not always been complimentary of Posh this season, but one thing can't be argued, and that is they have tucked away the poor teams very, very happily uh, against bottom half teams. Posh this season, 14 games, 11 wins, two draws, one defeat, scoring 32 goals, which is 2.3 per game. So I think they will be far too strong for Forest Green. I'm really tempted by Peterborough and over 2.5 goals at 2-1. to one. But I'm going to let fear and outcome fear, outcome bias, recency bias, recent outcome bias affect my judgment. So I'm just going to pick them 10 to 11 in my nap. I think you just glitched. <laughs> Go on. Um, what, for my next best? Yes. I'm, look, I'm, I'm looking forward for you. I'm looking you do you need to... me to say the words? Well, no, I thought you were going to say, like, go on and talk about your pick. Um, I'm looking forward to you sitting here next week being like, I said I was going to do Peterborough over two and a half and they won three nil. So I'm just going to put that down as, as a two as one a, winner. A half two to win. one winner. Um, my next best is Shrewsbury Town. Draw no bet at Oxford at eight to five. Um, yeah, I mean, if, if we if we did midweek betting shows, I mean, there only would have been one game to cover this week pretty much. But um, yeah, I backed Barnsley um, against Oxford on Wednesday night. Uh, Oxford are a club in a bit of a mess at the moment. Three defeats in a row now. Uh the performance against Burton uh, last Saturday was, was really poor um, and things have started to get pretty nasty. Last night, Wednesday night, was a bit of a weird one where uh, Barnsley were by far the better team and went 2-0 up and looked like they were probably going to go and make it quite ugly. And then Oxford kind of fought in a way that we certainly didn't see against Burton. Um, the Tyler Smith missed a, a decent opportunity at 2-0. Um, shortly after that, Elliot Moore scored to make it 2-1. And it was Oxford who were knocking on the door late in the second half with Barnsley having to use a few um, tricks of the trade in order to, to get over the line. It was by no means a, you know a, the kind of performance that has me getting too excited, but certainly improvements there. But the issue I've got with this game is that, for Oxford's point of view, is that they are aside for whatever reason over the course of the last couple of months who are just incapable of creating good chances consistently in open play. And in Shrewsbury, you have a side who, for all of their shortcomings, you know, I know they're in an unbelievable run of form at the moment and this is a, a bad time for Oxford to come up against them. Under Steve Cottrell, they've always been a side who are pretty good at keeping teams who aren't particularly good attacking forces at bay. And that's why I think taking the draw out of this one, where Oxford scoring no goals in this game, in my mind, is a massive runner. Um... And therefore, if you know if Oxford don't concede, sorry, if Oxford don't score, then you cannot lose your money. Uh, and defensively, they they don't look particularly good at the moment either. So, Shrews coming to this in really good form, as I say, massive belief at the moment. Um, they've certainly developed from a side who looked to be a bit of a one-man team um, earlier on in the campaign, uh, with Bayless still performing really well, but other uh, players stepping up as it stands at the moment. Sadie looking like he might be the striker that. Um, they've lacked for, for so long uh, Bowman with a, that big last minute goal important to remember as well that last time out Shrewsbury were 1-0 down into the 94th minute and scored twice in injury time added to that Shrewsbury have had a week's rest whereas Oxford have played on Wednesday night and then also coupled with it just if Oxford do go behind here again the, the Kassam Stadium was pretty empty last night um, but those who will be there on Saturday if things aren't going well I can assure you that the uh, yeah the, the focus will, will turn to the dugout rather than the players on the pitch. And that is always a bit of a recipe for, for disaster. So, yeah, I think Shrews are a big price to win the game, but I'm playing this draw no bet. My next best is Watford. Yeah, surprised myself, to be honest. Hence the note of feigned surprise as I announced that, as if I 
didn't realise what I was about to say as if I haven't got it written down. Uh, yeah, there, there's a point, I think, and you've stressed this to me a lot over the years, there's a point at which you back anything. Yes. There is a price at which you should back anything because you think that it's way off what you consider the, the probability to be. And that's basically this with Watford. There's a couple of things here. Um, they're away at Reading and they're 13 to 8 to win the game. And I am backing that as my next best. I was pleased that before we started recording, you also expressed some surprise. And I'd, I'd say something close to interest in Watford at this price. So that I don't feel like I've missed something. I don't feel like I'm a mile off here. We're fairly aligned. Reading's an interesting one. They are famously this season really good at home, really bad away from home, right? Uh, Madstad, Reading FC, as I've called them, uh, have been a very, very good team and picked up a lot of points this season. But, and this could end up being complete nonsense, but I noticed that Reading have only played four home league games in the last three full calendar months. In that time, they've uh, won two, drawn one, and lost one. On the 4th of Nov, they lost 2-1 to Preston. On December the 10th, that was their next one. They beat Coventry 1-0. On December the 27th, they beat Swans 2-1. And then January the 14th, they drew 2-0 with QPR. None of Nothing about those performances and results was incredibly impressive, nor incredibly poor. Certainly against Preston and Swansea, they were heavily outshot um, and out-XG'd, but that doesn't count for everything. It's a new verb. Against QPR, they had a 2-0 lead, which they, which they threw away, which would be incredibly disappointing. And I guess I just want to see if Madstad, Reading FC are still as strong as they were, because the idea that they are very, very strong at home mainly comes from when they won six of their first nine in August, September, October. But I'm sitting here on the 2nd of February and August and September and October feel like quite a long time ago. So I don't necessarily think that home strength has to last forever. And they're the sort of team that make me a little bit nervous that things might slip a little bit. So I'm willing to take this on uh, as, uh, you know, I think their home form is the reason for this price, which I'm struggling to ignore. As for Watford, uh, what are my positives here? They have some very, 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 very good players. They already had some very good players. Then they added some very good players. Now they have a, a team of very, very good individual players. I'm still yet to see loads that excites me in terms of team uh, strategy and and like um, joined up thinking and long term. I've no idea what happens with Watford. And overall, I'm underwhelmed by them this season. All of that's true. I spoke about it on the Monday pod. But what's also true is that in a football match, the quality of the players on the pitch is a huge factor. Maybe the biggest factor, I don't know. Smarter people than me will know that. But the quality of the players on the pitch is a massive factor. And I think there's a huge gap in quality between these two sets of players. So I think at 13 to 8, it's good enough to play Watford away at Reading. That's my next best. Don't forget, it's bet 10, get 2. That's if you bet £10 on EFL Akers this season, you'll get a £2 free bet. You can find terms and conditions for that in the description of this podcast. Put up a lay for me. Laying Stockport at 1.8. Um, at home to Tranmere. Um, Stockport, we've said it many times, despite their you know, slightly lowly league position, we consider to be one of the best teams, if not for a time, the best team in the league. And the market has agreed, which, which is normally quite a good thing. Um, and I think the market still has them as one of the best teams in the league. But I'm wondering if that run of form, those run of performances may have come to an end because I think there's a mounting pile of evidence to suggest that Stockport are not operating at the level that they were a month or so ago, um, looking at their recent form, 
just the, the form alone. Um, they've only won one of their last five games. Uh, they've lost two of those games at Grimsby, where I put them up to win the game on the betting show, and at AFC Wimbledon. And they can't have any arguments in either of those two games. They weren't great. They weren't outplayed particularly, but they certainly weren't particularly good. Um, the 2-0 win over Newport was a decent performance. But then it's the one-all draw from midweek on Tuesday night that is really troubling because this was a team in Stockport who've topped the XG tables for however long and, and looked to the eye to be incredibly strong after a disappointing start against a crew side who are bottom of those similar XG tables. And I think, you know, have, have had some of us wondering if their poor run of form continues, could they be dragged into the, the mix at the bottom? Crew were the better side here. Stockport were lucky to get away with the point. Um, and even though they went behind and came back at one all, at one all you thought Stockport might come, might come forward then and, and, and be the dominant side, but it was Crew who looked more likely to score. Now that is a, a really poor bit of form. And suddenly you're looking at a side who have, have won one in their last five, have failed to score in three of their last five, up against a Tranmere side who themselves are, are becoming more upwardly mobile. You know, they've only lost one of their last six uh, in the league. Um, also considering their away form, they have recently gone to Barrow and won. They've gone to Northampton and won. Sorry, and Jorn. They've gone to Swindon and Jorn as well. So... Have beaten, uh, and they've also beaten decent home sides such as Sutton, Walsall, and Salford this season. So, Tranmere by no means uh, disappointing on the road. Coming off here, off the back of a a big win at home to Leyton Orient, the team currently sitting in top spot. Yeah, I think I think anything odds on about Stockport here might be um, a price based on Stockport and what they were um, a few weeks ago because things don't look that impressive to me anymore. Yeah, they were between. It was between two. For my lay, uh, they were very much one of them. I've gone with Sheffield Wednesday instead. At 1.75, I've laid them on the Betfair Exchange. I feel like possibly between us, Wednesday might be our most laid team this season. And that's a mixture of two sort of key aspects, really. The, the main thing is, you know, they're so highly rated, understandably so by the bookmakers, that their price tends to be incredibly low. And when you're, you're looking down the docket for your lay, that's really what you're looking for. You're looking for the, the short price to get against. Um, but also there was a period in the season where it didn't feel like they were hugely convincing. I would say that that is definitely not the case in recent times where they've rattled off win after win after win and they've been absolutely brilliant. So this isn't so much about Sheffield Wednesday. For me, it's about the league leaders, Plymouth Argyle, who travel to Hillsborough. And there's just something about Argyle at the moment. Uh, in fact, all season, there's just something about Argyle. Uh, they've only lost two of their 14 away games this season. That was a an complete aberration at Charlton. They were already behind and they were already being beaten well before their red card. But the red card meant they collapsed and lost 5-1. That is absolutely the exception to the rule this season with Argyle. They lost a tight one later at Fleetwood. 89th minute Fleetwood winner. Um, but... Every other game, they have managed to not lose their away games, and that is a sign of an excellent team, I think, with a fantastic mentality. Uh, Ipswich away, Bolton away, Wickham away, Derby away. They have found a way. (laughs) (laughs) Finazaz is back for them, which I think is absolutely huge. He's been exceptional this season and in the first game between these two which was a 2-1 win for Argyle one of the matches of the season in the EFL uh, Finazaz was absolutely brilliant I think Jay Matete has been a great addition for them and added something a little bit of bite and a little bit of ball carrying silk in central midfield that they didn't have uh, I think that they are really exciting on the break Matete is a part of that as seen by the ball carrying that he provided before one of their goals uh, in their big in their last uh, league win uh, and as for Wednesday I haven't got really many qualms about them. Um, 
occasionally there's a match where they don't look unbelievably convincing. That's pretty high standards to hold any teams to. Um, they're incredibly strong at home. Bannon came on in last week's game, so I, I think he should be back here, which is obviously huge for them. I have no issue with them being favourites to win this game. I know why they are. I think they are the most likely winners, but this isn't about that necessarily. I'm drinking green juice because I think this price is just a bit too short. Uh, goals bet now, please, sir. Over two and a half goals in Norwich against Burnley. Double goals! I can't believe it's even money. Uh, Let's just rewind to last week where we both picked goals in the Burnley Ipswich game and it was nil-nil. Yeah, yeah. Burnley again. Um, yeah, I mean, anyone who's seen David Wagner's Norwich will surely be looking at this as being a, a, a crazy price. It is ridiculous football. They've scored eight goals in their two games under him. Um, really attacking, leaving gaps in behind as we saw Coventry expose. I can't think of many teams better than Burnley to expose a team who are playing a really expansive high line um, because Burnley themselves have unbelievable talent. Most teams look to try and frustrate Burnley by dropping in. I can't see Norwich doing that at all. I think this should be a really entertaining game. Uh, plenty of need for Norwich to, to try and get something out of this as well, given their position in the uh, playoff race. Um, yeah, just I, I don't see any reason why either, I don't see any case or how either of these teams would go about this any other way than just to, to set up to attack. Um, so the only concern, I guess, is that Burnley, as we know, have that really hot finishing streak. But I think they're given the way the Norwich set up, they're going to have their chances here. So yeah, over two and a half evens just seems crazy. I completely agree. And therefore, nothing further to add, Your Honour, as we try and, and win back some time that we wasted at the top of the show talking <laughs> about Ragu. And Betfair's Bet Builder allows you to combine selections easily into one bet. With Betfair's popular Bet Builder, you can check out and add trending Football League Bet Builder selections to your bet slip in just one tap. Head to the football section of the Betfair Sportsbook app and you'll see them at the top of the screen there. I'll tell you about my goal scorer. Uh, it's another repeat offender. Last week, I picked Jezrun Raksaki as part of my goal scorer, Trixie. And it was a loser, but it was one of those losers that made me feel like a winner because it made me more confident that there's value backing Raksaki. So what I lost in Great British Pounds, yeah. I gained in intangibles. And we go in again. I'm backing Raksaki to score first at 8-1, to one, last at 8-1, to one, and any time... At seven to two, that's a quarter of a point on first and last, and half a point on the any time at seven to two. Charlton at Exeter this weekend. Now they lost two one to Bolton live on Sky. Raksaki any time was a loser, but he had four shots, two I would say decent to good chances, and looked as good as I had promised last week. He is so sharp. He is, in my opinion, certainly like in terms of on ball stuff dribbling and and the the fear that he strikes into opposition defenses playing beneath himself it's incredibly good news for charlton that they get to keep on uh, keep hold of him for another few months unfortunately i don't think it will matter that much because i don't think they're going up or down but it's still fun that we get to watch him at league one level for six more months because i don't think we will for a long time after this i don't like being harsh needlessly but i've seen a few extra games this season i actually saw them in the flesh against Charlton at the Valley and the idea of Jack Sparks trying to tackle Jezrin Raksaki, trying to keep track of him off the ball, trying to catch up with him in a sprinting race, trying to get the ball off him when Raksaki has it, makes me very excited in the league. I think Raksaki is the premier dribbler in League One. I believe that the stats back that up. Back that up. 
And for Charlton, he has the highest XG per 90 this season and the most shots per 90. So I would say he is probably their number one goal threat, even more than Miles Lieber. So quarter point first and last at eight to one uh, and half a point anytime at seven to two. That's 4.5 with the decimal. Jez Rack Saki. What song do you sing Jesrin to? Don't know. What, do, what song? I assume it would just be Jai Ho again. <laughs> Jezrin. Yeah. I will do if he scores. I'll do anything he wants. Uh, what tune do you sing the name Amadialo to? Oh, Amadialo. Yeah, he's my selection. I was going to do, I don't think you're ready, for Joe Gelly, who's 7-2. to two. Um, for, This is Sunderland, by the way, at, at Millwall. Uh, Ross Stewart is out injured to the end of the season, which is a huge blow for, for Sunderland. Um, and the reason I was going to play Gelhart is just because he's going to be playing up front. But then I kind of thought that 7-2 to two is, is clearly a big price, um, even though Millwall are justifiably, justifiably favourites for this one. I do think Sunderland are a good team to look for goal-scorer picks for generally, though, because the way they're set up to attack um, and even in games where they are outsiders, you feel like you're, you'd be pretty confident they're going to get chances. Uh, and Ahmad, I think, at 9-2 is better value than Galhart, partly because Galhart might not play 90 minutes. Um, Ahmad has already scored seven league goals this season for, for Sunderland. He takes loads of shots. You know, last time out against Middlesbrough in the game, they won 2-0. He had three shots. He drew a blank against Swansea, but prior to that, four shots against Wigan. Sorry, four shots against Wigan, four shots against Blackpool. He scored, what, five goals in his last 10 games. For him to be 9-2 in any game is, is just factually incorrect. But then you also have the added benefit to this which is that Ross Stewart is Sunderland's penalty taker but he's injured and they've had one penalty this season when Ross Stewart wasn't on the pitch who took it oh I'm a Diallo correct and do you score yes yes and Sunderland unsurprisingly get loads of penalties because they've got Jack Clark because they've got Amad Diallo because they've got Patrick Roberts because they've got Alex Pritchard because they've got Joe Galhart now like they, these are a lot of players who like to have the ball at their feet running at goal in close proximity to it so yeah, that 9-2 to two is a very big price and is my selection. Here. Mate, you know how sometimes we see things on a Wednesday morning and by the time we record on a Thursday, the price has changed, but we have to use the price. Yeah. Whatever it is when we record. He's 5-1. to one. He's 5-1. to one. They've nudged him out. Amazing. Come on. Thank you very much. Incredible. Our two goal scorer picks are both magnificent dribbly attackers playing off the right side. Jezrin Raksaki and Amad Diallo. 7-2 Raksaki, 5-1 Diallo. Absolutely sensational. Uh, recap your picks for me, George, before we say goodbye. Um, my nap is Hull at home to Cardiff. I'm backing Shrewsbury, Jorno, bet at Oxford, laying Stockport at home to, to Tranmere, over two and a half goals in Norwich versus Burnley at even money and Amad Diallo to score any time at 5-1 for Sunderland at Millwall. And mine... Nap, Peterborough United to beat Forest Green 10 to 11 in League One. Watford to beat Reading 13 to 8 in the Championship. I've laid Sheffield Wednesday on the Betfair Exchange at 1.75. I've also backed Norwich and Burnley over 2.5 goals at even money. A very rare double goals. And my goal scorer is Jez Raksak. 7 to 2 anytime Raksaki for Charlton at Exeter. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Thank you to Betfair for their sponsorship thereof. And a huge apology if you are listening to this hungover and you're offended by what I said at the start of the podcast. Um, we try to uphold high standards uh, in life and in podcasting, and I may not have matched them this week, but I will be better. You can count on that. Join us again on Monday. Watch our YouTube stuff and go well. Have a good weekend. <laughs>